Hello and welcome to Raffi Reviews. I'm of course your host Raffi, and today I'll be reviewing The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Okay, we got a lot to get through. Let's talk about this show. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is the newest Marvel Cinematic Universe short uh, streaming series. I stress to call it a TV show because, I mean, I guess, I guess, yeah, it's on a TV. But you can also watch it on your phone. <clears throat> anyway, it's the newest show from Marvel. Uh, it's a Disney Plus exclusive, all that stuff. Um, it's not the first. I think it was supposed to be the first, but I think it got delayed. Um... Of course, WandaVision came before this. We've talked about WandaVision a lot in the past. And in relation to talking about WandaVision and Sam and Bucky, which is what I've been calling Falcon and Winter Soldier, um, I think the general consensus for most people, myself included, is that while I was looking forward to both shows a lot, I think they were for different reasons. Um, WandaVision was very much... Um, an interest, you know, when you first saw exactly what the show was going to be from the beginning with the whole sitcom stuff, that was more a, a general curiosity, right? With Falcon and Winter Soldier, I was excited to watch it because it looked sort of, not to discredit WandaVision, but Falcon and Winter Soldier looked more like a Marvel project. It looked more like it, it's going to sound bad, like it mattered to the rest of the MCU. Um... Not to mention, you know, this whole show is sort of built on the premise of, okay, Captain America is gone, what happens to the world now? Um, and I think this show does a really good job at sort of addressing the questions that are in the air following Cap, I guess, dying? He didn't die, but they kind of act like he did. Um, and it also answers some questions just about the, the universe in general. Uh, a lot of things people have asked that kind of go answered here. Um, I guess to start, I really like this show. Um, I like that it's six episodes. I like that some stuff is kind of left open and ambiguous. Um, I think much like WandaVision, the penultimate episode is sort of better than the last episode. I think the last episode, I think, I think this, again, like WandaVision, could have used a bit more time could have used a, a, maybe another episode or something, because there's a lot of elements in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier that don't really fe feel like sped through, but it really feels like we're sort of expected to cut through um, a lot of stuff that, that, that isn't brought up um, in regards to John Walker, in regards to Sharon Carter, and in regards to what is possibly a missing plot thread. Um, I figure I'd start with this before we talk about characters and stuff. Um, I don't know if it's been confirmed, but a lot of people that have talked about the show online have sort of come to the, the theory that they, that this short series was supposed to include some sort of, uh, virus plotline, um, and, like, basically part of the reason the Flag Smashers are fighting so hard for themselves is because of this virus, um, they mention, like, vaccines being stolen very early in the series. 
uh, a elderly character that is important to the main villain, um, Carly Morgenthal. Um, basically someone important to her passed away, and I think they say it's, oh god, what do they say it is? I do want to make sure I get this correct. I don't think that, no, I don't say it in the description here. I think it's like, I don't want to get it wrong, so I'm not even going to guess at what it is, but she passes away from some sort of disease, um, and a lot of people think, just based on the whole vaccine stuff from early in the show, and her passing away, that perhaps there was supposed to be some sort of virus uh, plotline in this show that was removed because of, uh, in light of COVID and stuff. And, you know, I just want to put this out there before we really get into this. Um, if there really was a virus plotline that was removed from the show um, for the sake of taste, I don't mind. You know, um, I, I think I think the show does a well enough job and has enough to talk about without needing a virus plotline in there as well. Um, and I'm, I'm actually kind of glad they cut it. I think, you know... Not that, we, not that we can't talk about the virus, because obviously a lot of TV shows are talking about the virus. But I think it's more that, like, it brings more of the focus on other plot lines by removing the virus plot line. Um, this show has a lot of interesting things to say, and I think it goes beyond uh, focusing on the virus stuff. So, you know, I'm kind of glad that we got what we got. That being said, there's some stuff that, you know, I think does need to be talked about a bit more. Uh, at length here. So, like I normally do these, I usually kind of just break down the characters and what I thought of them, and then any stuff that I hadn't brought up already, I sort of add in at the end. So, let's talk about some characters. Um, I have characters and I have minor characters, because there's a few minor characters I do want to, like, talk about just a little bit. So, starting with the, the star-sprangled man himself, Anthony Mackie, uh, playing as Sam Wilson, who goes from being Falcon to being the new Captain America. Now, I figure I should probably elaborate on this just for context and everything. Um, Sam Wilson, the character, you know, the Falcon, um, at, at least, I, I guess in my experience, was always kind of there in the comics. Um, I knew he was a Captain America character. I knew he was sort of a B-list Avenger. Um, I never sort of saw him as a major character. But, you know, I, I at least had the respect of being like, okay, that's, he's Captain America's, like, best guy. You know, other than, like, Bucky. It, I kind of saw Falcon as, like, like a newer, updated Bucky. Or at least a Bucky that worked in, like, a modern era without it being kind of disrespectful. Um, I will say, you know, reading, reading certain comics, um, mainly there was a, what was it called? Uh, it was called the Mighty Avengers. I think it was called the Mighty Avengers. Basically, there was a, a Mighty Avengers comic book run where Luke Cage put together a team of street-level Avengers to protect New York. Um, and Falcon was added onto the team. And Falcon has this line where like everyone's kind of surprised that he walks in and people ask, oh, is, is Cap here with you? And Falcon is kind of like, you know, guys, I, there's a reason my name isn't and the Falcon. Like, it's just the Falcon. Um, and that gave me a little bit more appreciation for Falcon, especially because I'm a person that really um, is really endeared to sidekick characters trying to, like, flesh out and be their own people. Um, and the fact that Falcon isn't, like, 
a little white boy in a, in a spandex costume. Like, he's a grown-ass man who comes from a completely different cultural background than Steve Rogers or, or most other Avengers characters. Um, it does set him apart, and it, it gave me a bit more appreciation for who he is as a person. Um, and then when they turned Falcon into Captain America in the comic books, um, obviously you had a lot of people angry, uh, mainly for bad reasons. <laughs> um, but you had some people angry for other reasons. Um, I didn't mind it. I thought the design was really cool. I like that just because he's Captain America doesn't mean he has to abandon the wings. Um, I thought it made sense. I thought it was kind of nice that of all the people who could become Captain America... You know, it wasn't Bucky, even though, you know, like a lot of angry nerds online have said it should have been Bucky because Bucky was Cap before Sam Wilson. Doesn't fucking matter, all right? <laughs> like, I think, like, would it, would it have been nice to see Bucky become, like, a Captain America character in the MCU? I don't know. I don't think MCU Bucky works as Captain America. Um, I think he's done a way better job sort of being his own person and kind of playing a support role. Um... Like, the Bucky in the comics and the Bucky in the MCU, in regards to the Captain America mantle, I think represent, like, two different things. Like, when Bucky was Captain America, which I think was in, like, 2005 or 6, um, at least in my eyes, it was sort of a redemption story. Like, him being Captain America was a symbol of, okay, the Amer the like, if Steve was the American ideal of, you know, positivity, freedom, justice, and equality... Bucky's sort of um, presentation as Captain America was redemption and, you know, like any anyone can be an outstanding citizen even if they have a past littered in, in murder and mind control and betrayal. Um, Bucky was like, second, like if, <laughs> if Steve was like, okay, America is the land of ideals, Bucky's Captain America was America is the land of second chances, Right. And I think that works in the comics. I don't think that really works in the MCU because we're already seeing Bucky go through an arc um, and develop in a positive way beyond being Captain America. Um, and I'm sure I'll talk about that more when we, get, when we get to Bucky. But in regards to Sam, I think his representation, like him being Captain America, was more a sign of like, this is what modern America looks like. And it's it's America is like, it's a home for division, and it's a home for underdogs. And I think that's sort of... That applies to Sam Wilson. Um, but yeah, I, like, I didn't mind it in the comics. I thought, I thought the design was cool. I thought it's really nice of Steve. Because Steve doesn't consider Sam like a sidekick or like, you know, a lesser person than him, obviously. Um, in the comics, at least, I would say there's not many people that Cap holds at higher regard than uh, Sam Wilson. So, I thought it was a nice thing. It, it, you know, <clears throat> what else? <laughs> what else can I say in regards to the whole comic book thing? Um, I don't know, I thought, I was kind of disappointed when they undid that. I'm curious to see in the comics if they're going to revert it back because of the success of the show and because of the possible Captain America 4, which I didn't add to this. I should probably put it on my list here. Let's see. Cap 4. Okay, it's all lowercase now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm interested to see if they if they kind of revert it back in the comics, or maybe they'll do multiple Captain Americas. Um, but yeah, in the comics, that was cool that 
uh, Sam is Captain America. Led a couple, led a couple Avengers teams. He was involved in a couple events. Um, I think it's kind of a natural progression for Captain America. You know, like if you're gonna retire Steve Rogers, you know, I don't know who they're gonna do next. I don't know who the next Captain America is gonna be. If it's gonna be an established character or not. Um, I, I do wonder if maybe they'll make some sort of like Peggy Carter Captain America because I know. She gets to be Captain Britain in that What If show that's coming up on Disney Plus as well. Um, that'll be a lot of fun to talk about. It'll be fun to talk about an animated show for for once. Um, <clears throat> but in terms of the show itself, um, I gotta say, like, it, it's really nice. <laughs> it's really nice to see uh, Anthony Mackie get to be Captain America. Because I remember when all the promotional stuff for Captain America, The Winter Soldier, like the, the second movie, basically, was coming out. And I remember hearing a lot about how Anthony Mackie was, like, super jazzed to play Falcon. And he was happy because <clears throat> he got to play an African-American superhero. Like, he got to be in these big Marvel movies as a superhero. And he got to be a, a black person doing it. And he, he was happy that he could give, like, black children a character to, you know, identify with. Um... It's sort of my personal thing that, like, I don't think you need a race, a religion, or a background to relate to a comic book character or a superhero in general. You know, you could be of any skin tone and still relate to Superman. You could be of any ethnicity or religious background and still relate to Spider-Man. But at the same time, I, I do truly believe that representation does matter. And especially in Marvel movies, which are, you know, the biggest superhero movies out right now, um... It's also important to have, like, cultural awareness and be like, you know, it is good to have a, a black character. And it's good to have multiple. Um, that's one of the things about the MCU that I don't think enough people, like, talk about, but I really appreciate is, like, at least between Infinity War and Endgame, you have Black Panther, you have Falcon, you have um, War Machine. You have, <clears throat> I know they're not technically superheroes, but you have the, the, oh, God. I should have wrote down this group because I always mess up their name, dude. Uh, you have the Dora Milaje from Wakanda. Um, even even characters that are technically like aliens with like you know, <laughs> like Gamora isn't a black person, but she's played by one. You know what I mean? Um, Nick Fury. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of characters that. Oh, and uh, what is it? Monica Rambeau from WandaVision. You know, yeah, they're still creating interesting, well-developed black characters. And Falcon got to be one of the earliest ones. And I remember Anthony Mackie being, like, really jazzed about that. And it's always exciting in, like, superhero movies when the actors are, like, excited to, to do it. You know what I mean? Like, Andrew Garfield, at least with the first Amazing Spider-Man, was excited to be Spider-Man. And, and then Tom Holland was excited to be Spider-Man. He loves it. Um... I was, I'm catching my breath, I'm sorry. Um, I wasn't trying to think of more examples, I swear. But, like, I'm happy because it's, like, Anthony Mackie, like, like it, how how good of him, because if it were me, like, I know it's sort of a different situation, if it were me, it would be like, okay, cool, I get to be in a Marvel movie, oh, I'm I'm the Falcon, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm sort of this secondary character, um, I'm not the headliner, I'm not, like, you know, this big character. 
But, like, he took it, man, and he was happy to take it. And he made Falcon a way bigger character than I, I think he was in the past couple of years. Um, but, like, I'm happy that he gets to... Like, he got to stick with it long enough to get the role as, as Captain America and go through that arc. And I think that's super great. Um, and I wish more comic book actors, comic book movie actors, like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of the MCU actors sort of get this, but, like, I think, I'm trying to think of a really good example. Um, I'm trying to think of just superhero movies. I'm, like, I'm not sure that, like, hmm, because I was, okay, I was going to say, I'm sure Zachary Levi, who plays Shazam, the adult version, um, didn't go into the role thinking, okay, and eventually I'll be on the Justice League and I'll hang out with Superman and, you know, maybe we'll do a story where I fight him or, or uh, he fights my bad guys or whatever. Um, but at the same time, I know Dwayne Johnson is like, yeah, I'll be Black Adam. Can I fight Superman? Can I fight Aquaman? You know? Um but, like, I, I just mean the future-proofing stuff. Like, when you sign on with Marvel and you are a superhero character, I'm sure you go into it with the intention, or, or being told at least, like, listen, later down the line, you're not going to be Falcon anymore, you're going to be Captain America. That's what we're doing, look forward to that. Um, I can only assume that's what they do. Um, but, like, when it comes to, like, maybe the Fox X-Men movies, or, again, the DC movies, I don't think there's anyone in the driver's seat to be like, hey... Uh, don't worry, I don't know, Hugh Jackman, we'll eventually get to the story where you you get a clone that's a, a little girl. Like, I don't think that was ever a plan or in the cards or even told to the actor. I think it was just like, hey, we're doing this new thing, this is what we're doing with your character. But that's what I'm saying, I'm happy Anthony Mackie, like, his excitement paid off, you know, and, and in the process he made Falcon an exciting character to watch, even in those movies, even like Winter Soldier and... What the fuck else was he in? <laughs> Winter Soldier, Civil War, um, Infinity War, and then and then oh my god! In, in Endgame, he gets that line. He gets to you know tell Steve, is it on your right or on your left? I want to say on your left, but he gets that line, and then he gets to you know usher everybody in, which is freaking incredible. Um, but yeah, I like Anthony Mackie a lot, and that's that's just talking about him outside of the show. In this show, he's terrific, dude. Like, Anthony Mackie is putting in the work. Um, there's a lot of scenes where he talks to, uh, oh god, what is his name, Isaiah Bradley? Yeah. Who is another black Captain America that the government sort of swept under the rug from, like, the, I don't know, uh, 60s, 50s? Um, and it's great. Like, seeing him, like, because you, you get to see Falcon, and that's, that's what I said about WandaVision as well. You get to see Falcon, who's the secondary character change over time and have these emotions that he hasn't had to deal with yet like he is told by this war-torn you know swept under the rug like this broken man isaiah bradley he's told like they'll never let a black man be be captain america and he reflects on that he talks about it with bucky he talks about it with his sister and he comes out of it saying you know what would be the point if I just gave up. Like, I have to try. Otherwise, all that pain and suffering is for nothing. And that's a factor of what makes Sam so worthy of being Captain America. 
because he has that same, that fighting drive, that optimism that Steve Rogers had. Like, for everything they have in terms of differences, Steve and Sam still share that moral core that makes them deserving of, you know, carrying an entire country on their back, basically. Um, and this show did a good job at presenting that. It also did a good job separating the difference, I think, between Sam and Steve. Um, because you not only learn more about sort of the struggles Sam has had, you know, he has to worry about, uh, you know, getting a bank loan and being denied it. Because, you know, just because you're a Avenger doesn't mean you get a pass, legally speaking, financially speaking, you know? Um, I'll take a, fi a picture with you, but I'm not going to give you that loan. Um, like, you see him go through that, you see him go, and, uh, like, 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 both Steve and Sam, I think, talk people down. Like, they don't want to fight, but they will if they have to. But... I think you see Sam do it a bit more than someone like Steve does, especially in this show. You get to see Sam talk down people he doesn't want to fight, and especially in that last episode uh, when Carly is trying to fight him and Sam is refusing to fight. And I think it makes a, a big difference to to everything where Sam gets knocked down by Carly, and Carly's telling him to stay down, and... Sam is getting up, and I expected in this scene, this is at the end, he's already Captain America, when he's getting up and, like, refusing to stay down, I expected him to say, I could do this all day, which was Steve's catchphrase, it's the thing he says when he gets knocked down by a bully and he gets back up, but Sam isn't fighting a bully, Sam isn't Steve Rogers, and what Sam's doing is just trying not to fight Carly, he just wants to talk, he doesn't want to hurt her. So when Sam is getting up, he doesn't say, I could do this all day, which would incite just more punching. He says, no. No, I'm, I'm you know, he just says no, but it's the indication, no, I'm not going to stay down. And no, I'm not going to stop trying to get through to you. Um, I'm not giving up. And it's the same never give up spirit that Steve had, but it's in different context because it's, it's Sam Wilson saying it in his own way. Um, like... Yeah, <laughs> he's a super good character, and, like, when he's, like, charming and happy and, like, having, like, deep kind of conversations, like, it, it's enjoyable watching him bicker with Bucky early on in the show, like, that's funny, but when the two of them are actually, like, friends and colleagues, and, and they have kind of a discussion about what it means to be Captain America and what it meant when Sam gave up the shield and everything, they come to an understanding and from then, from that point on, it's it's really nice to watch them because you got you got to see them go through this arc of like, okay, I'm best friends with Steve, you're best friends with Steve, but we're not gonna get along. We don't see eye to eye. Our attitudes are just different, and it's it's weird. You know, we both have this relationship with this, this with this person, and we contextualize it differently, and that makes us different, and it's upsetting. But over the course of the show, it's not like that's the running joke. It's like no. Eventually, they do come to an understanding. They talk about it, and it's like Bucky sees the things in Sam that Steve saw, and Sam sees the things in Bucky that Steve saw as well. Like, both of them see something in each other that sort of open their eyes and be like, okay, this is why Steve chose him to be Cap, or this is why, like, Bucky was friends with Steve for, like, ever, you know? Um, and it gives it a whole new meaning, and I, and I love that. Um... And, like, again, I, I talk more about character than I do, like, uh, like costumes and, and fight scenes and stuff. But, like, the costume is really good. 
in in both versions. Like he uses Red Wing, he uses the wings, he uses the grappling hook. He, Sam doesn't use the guns, which I think is interesting. I think he might be done outright killing people, but then again, like <laughs> he's okay with dropping people in the canyons of New Mexico or whatever. And that opening fight scene, um, in the first episode where Sam is trying to stop this helicopter, that is like terrific. It's a really good hook. And I think I think the show does a really good job with pacing. Because there's not a lot of fights with Sam being in the air and stuff, but like there's one at the beginning, there's one at the end, and there's probably one in the middle. Um, but I think it's well-paced uh, in that regard. And I think they do a good mix of super heroics and also just kind of just talk scenes. Like scenes that are mainly about talking. The fight is a conversation. Um, and they keep it street level, but they also keep it sort of worldly. There's a lot of, like, <laughs> like Bucky is in, uh, I don't know, Bucky is in, like, uh, in Europe one second, and then he's in Sokovia the next. And then there's a flashback, and he's in Wakanda, and then now he's back in New York. Like, there's a lot of world-trotting, um, which makes it fun. It, it, it's, it's especially good, again, because of WandaVision. All of WandaVision sort of took place in one general area. And, like, this show does kind of just go between America and Europe, but, like, you get some spices in there of other places. Um... And it's exciting. Um, there's a lot of great scenery and, and locations used for scenes in this show. Um, but, like, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot to talk about with the Sam uh, Captain America thing, especially towards the end where he gets to effectively have his Captain America speech at some of the world leaders and kind of set them, you know, set them in, in a position. Like, Sam finally gets a voice that warrants him being Captain America. You know, he tells them, listen, you guys can change the world with a phone call, and you're and you're not doing that. And you're making decisions for people that aren't even in the room with you. All because, you know, you're motivated by each other and not by the people you're supposed to be helping. Um, and he, and he, it's great because he sets them, he sets the world leaders, the, the GSC, GRC, whatever, he gets to kind of set them in their place, but he also gets to be humble with them. He gets to be like, listen... It's not a competition or a race. Like, I'm not trying to boss you around. I'm trying to understand, and you need to understand me. Like, you tell me that I don't know how complicated or difficult the process is, but, like, I'm a black man wearing the Captain America costume and carrying the shield. And every time I pick it up, I feel the judgment from people's eyes. And I live with that, and I keep going because I, I'm trying to just help. No super soldier serum, no powers. I'm just trying to help and make a difference. Like... It just makes Sam, like, such a endearing character. And it reminds you, yeah, he doesn't have powers. He just kind of has gadgets. And even then, like, the wingsuit is something that he can work on, but it wasn't something he made. He was given the wingsuit. He was given the Captain America suit by the Wakandans. And a lot of what he has is sort of given to him, but it's also stuff that he's sort of earned. And, you know, you take away the wingsuit, you take away the shield... You take away just everything about him that makes him a superhero, and he's still a good person that's going to try to help. Um, even in the case where it's not a superhero thing. Like, in the case of the boat, when he has to fix it, he just calls in favors around his neighborhood and goes off the goodwill of people that he's known for his entire life. Um, <clears throat> like, the show really does a good job at separating what makes Sam a different Captain America than Steve, and... It's it's the fact that Sam is just, like, a man of the modern day and a man of community and family. And that 
is really engaging, especially from a character who's African American. Um, the the show. So I've heard this a lot, mainly from like people I know, but the show isn't shy. Doesn't shy away from like what's the word? I'm trying to think of the word political. Politicals poli po policy. I don't know. It, it doesn't shy away from political topics, but it it wears it on its sleeve. And I think that's sort of in its right, especially racial politics. Um, there's a lot of bits in the show where, you know, c characters have disadvantages that they state because I was a black man and it's a white government, you know? Because I'm a black man and they're white cops. Because I'm a black man and it's white people that took the shield or, like... Sam gives the shield up, and they gave it to a white guy, and I'm sure they were happy to do it. Like, there's a lot of that in the show, and I don't think it's I don't think it's ill pressed. I don't think it's a bad move on Marvel's part. Like, it's it's crazy that like this came from the MCU, considering like how how real and how like how strong Sam's opinion. Like, especially at the end, again with Sam talking to the GRC people, it's like. Are you sure this is a show? <laughs> Are you sure this isn't just, like, a person online stating, like, what is true and then being told, well, the government's very complicated and different, you understand, like, this isn't a show. <laughs> like, this show does not shy away from the government being the bad guys. Um, and it doesn't shy away from the fact that black people have been marginalized. And this is the show to do it. Like, Falcon's name is in the title. The show is about him becoming Captain America. In order to do that, he, he isn't just facing the mantle of Captain America. He's facing kind of the representation of, of what America is, especially for a black person, because that's a huge part of who he is. Um, and I think the show does a really good job handling that topic and not beating you over the head with it. Like, it's, it's treated with grace and respect. And by the end, um, Isaiah Bradley gets his wing in, like, the Captain America Museum. And, you know, he gets to sort of be re-inspired. Isaiah Bradley, this person that is scarred by history, sees Sam Wilson become Captain America and say things that, like, no one has ever said or say things that people are too afraid to say. And people still, like, support him for it. Like, Sam being Captain America completely changes Isaiah's, like, like look outlook on the world at large. Like, he's inspired because that's what Captain America does for people of all, of all creeds and colors and backgrounds. Um, and I think that's just incredible. I think the show, if all else, this show does a really good job with like making Sam's journey and making sort of the, the topics surrounding him feel legitimate, feel tangible and like feel heavy. Like the weight of this show are these political topics, you know, beyond the Flag Smashers, beyond Zemo, beyond everything else in the show, like, what carries it is the journey of becoming Captain America, and what weight comes with that, and I think that's just incredible. So, at the same time, the other person that's in the title, Winter Soldier, right? <laughs> um, there's still a lot to be said when it comes to Bucky, and it's incredible that he's had this journey over the course of all these movies. Sometimes I forget, like, he was a mind-controlled bad guy, you know? Um, but yeah, Sebastian Stan as Bucky Barnes, a.k.a. the Winter Soldier, 
aka the White Wolf, but only when they call him White Wolf. Um, he's great, you know. Um, sometimes I forget he has a metal arm, to be honest with you. But he's got that cool Wakandan arm um, that gets taken off of him that one time. So, like, I think, like, this is what I was talking about before. I think Bucky really works as Bucky and not really as a captain, like, as Captain America. He he hints to the fact, like, if he has to, he'll be Cap, but he wants Sam to be Cap because Steve chose Sam. And they, he has a point later on in the show, I think it's in the penultimate episode, he's like, I was mad at you because if you gave up the shield, then that could mean that Steve was wrong. And if Steve was wrong about you, then Steve could be wrong about me. And, like, the, the journey for Bucky is making that transition from, like, being the Winter Soldier to just being himself. Um, and, like, I kind of wish he had the same title arc as, like, Bucky did, or as Sam did. Like, at the end of the show, they changed the title to Captain America and the Winter Soldier, which is okay, but I think it just should have been Captain America and Bucky, or Captain America and... I don't really like the White Wolf title, but, like, I'll say this later, but there's rumors that Bucky might get a show of his own called Nomad. Like, anything else would have been would have been nice, but, like, I don't know. I feel like he's over the Winter Soldier stuff, at least by the point of this show. Um, I don't know. The, the process of the show is him getting over it and working through it. Um, and, again, seeing him work with Sam and sort of go from being, like, resentful, like, buddy cop, we don't get along attitude, to having this understanding and treating each other almost like brothers, honestly. Um, like, by the end, when, when Bucky's hanging out with Sam's sister and his family and his community, um, it's really nice. It doesn't feel um, forced or anything. Like, Bucky sort of finds a family, he finds a community with Sam. Because unlike Steve Rogers, Sam is a person of now, and he has a family, and he has this whole community of people that know him, and, like, I think Sam's the kind of person who's all too eager to share that kind of community with someone that he cares about and someone he respects, like Bucky, um, and Bucky just fits in that area, it's super nice, like, there's moments in the show where it's like, again, you forget that he's a former assassin, you forget that he's from, like, World War Two, <laughs> and, you know, you forget that he's this larger-than-life character because he just, he acts like a person. Um, he knows how to fix boats and shit. <laughs> um, but he's super good in this show. Um, a lot of his character interactions are great. Um, there's definitely, they, they definitely make it a point, in some points, to draw parallels between Bucky's story and the story of, like, soldiers with PTSD. And... It's nice. Like, that's, that's another... Like, if you're gonna make... If you're gonna make Sam's story relate to a real-life issue with, like, African-American people, and especially African-American soldiers, um, I think it's nice to give Bucky something similar, but, but not as heavy, you know? I mean, it is as heavy, you know? But, like, if, if Sam's story is sort of... In, like, not embracing, confronting the past for African-American soldiers and still moving on from it, then Bucky's thing is, like, being a soldier with PS PTSD and, and being aware that he did horrible things. Even if it wasn't his actions, 
he still holds himself responsible. And I think he has a really good arc on the show as well. Um, and again, he does a good job as a supporting character, but he also does a good job, like, just kind of grilling Sam now and again. Like, when it comes to John Walker, um, when it comes to Sam giving up the shield, that is something that Sam really doesn't like, or something that Bucky doesn't let go for quite a long time. Um, but again, you see that develop. And I think, I think Sam and Bucky have a really good dynamic in this show. Um, yeah, I, I'm surprised I don't have as much to talk about with Bucky. But, like, you know, it, that's his story. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it's cool that he has these interactions with Zemo. He has these interactions with the, uh, the Wakandans. And, you know, that's, you know, it, it's weird. Because Bucky, he doesn't consider himself, I think, to be a people person. But then you look back and it's like he has so many interactions with people. The Wakandans, Captain America, um, God, who was I, who was I just, I mean, I guess now, uh, Sam Wilson, but like, <clears throat> yeah, they do a good job with them. <laughs> they do a good job with Bucky. I like burnt myself out on both Bucky and Sam just now. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try to run through these a bit more. Um, obviously the, the two title characters are the main ones, so I had a lot to talk about with them. But, um, so at the first, like, like the main villain of the show, uh, Aaron Kellyman, 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 uh, as Carly Morgenthal, 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 there's no L at the end, Morgenthal, whatever, um, yeah, Carly, uh, I, I, I put her as, as Flag Smasher, she's in charge of a group called the Flag Smashers, um, in the comics, this character was a man named Carl Morgenthal, and he dressed up like a character, and he was called the Flag Smasher. But, um, I don't know, I like this interpretation for the show. Um, so, it, it's cool, right? So, like, she's part of a group of... I don't know if it's ever fully explained. Basically, when the snap happened, or the blip, I hate to be called the blip, but when the snap happened, and all these people were removed from the world... Carly and a lot of other people outside of the U.S. Um, were sort of brought in by, like, I don't know if it was just the power broker, I don't know if the American government was involved, but they were brought in and they were turned into super soldiers, and they could live in the, the U.S., I think they could live anywhere, honestly. But, like, after the blip was reversed and people started coming back, people like Carly and, you know, other, I guess, refugees like her, um were labeled as, like, immigrants and pushed out, like, I'm trying to find, like, a, a straight-up thing here that, like, ex ex like, explains what this person's about. <sighs> Whatever. Okay, so, like, the Flag Smashers thing is, like, no borders, like, all countries should, like, work together, there should be no countries, basically, it should be an open world. Um, and her thing is, like, she wants to either, like, strong arm, like, strong arm or force, like, world leaders to kind of see things her way, and she has a group of people that believe in the cause like she does, some of them are immigrants and, and, and refugees, some of them are just, you know, American people that believe in what she's saying, um, it's like a network group, like, they, they, they converse through, like, an app on their phones and stuff, and throughout the show, this group of, um, I don't know, the, some groups call them terrorists, some people call them terrorists, but they're really just a, a group, 
But some people in this group, like, over the course of these episodes, they get help from random strangers who believe in their cause. Um, in a way, they're like uh, like some like Robin Hood analog. Um, I, I don't mean to talk about them with, like, any kind of disdain, because, like, honestly, I, I do like the Flag Smashers as an idea, um, and I like Carly a lot as a character. Um, she She didn't carry the show for me, don't get me wrong, but, like... I wasn't disappointed with her arc. Because um, at the end of the day, she's one of those bad guys that thinks what, what she's doing is right. And in a lot of ways, she had good points. And what she was fighting for probably was right. But it was just the way that she was going about it that you could label as wrong. And at the same time, you have characters like John Walker and, and I guess the U.S. government in general who straight up label Carly as like a villain. But then Sam, the whole time, is just trying to talk Carly down and, and convince her that there's a better way to handle things than going straight to violence. Um, and again, that's nice on Sam's part, and it's nice to, you know, display Carly as, you know, not a straight-up bad guy. This isn't a Red Skull situation. Like, she has every reason to be pissed off and, and feel, you know, betrayed by the governments of the world. You know, her stuff, her, she does, you know, she, and much like Sam, she's a people person. You see her in her community, and she flourishes. She's friendly to people. She she plays soccer with some kids, um, but she's also smart, and she believes in her goal and her cause. And that goes from being, like, a great belief system to being sort of radicalized and, and violent. And it, it sort of goes into a cultish kind of direction where she expects her her allies to follow exactly what she says and she expects them to die for this cause and you know she stops seeing her allies as these human beings who have the freedom of choice and sees them as you're either with me or against me um and that sort of downward slope almost mirrors or at least parallels from john walker's descent through the show um i think it's an interesting kind of parallel to build to see carly go down this this spiral and become kind of a worse person while you're also watching John Walker spiral out of control too. And then the two of them, as they spiral down, sort of clash against each other and influence decisions that the other one makes. Um, and that's just smart writing, I think, in the part of this show. But Carly is pretty good. Um, she goes out a martyr, <laughs> basically. Um, I'm not... This doesn't sound bad. I'm not disappointed that she died. Like, with a lot of Marvel MCU villains, it's good to keep them alive for future stuff. But I think Carly, and especially the Flag Smashers, existing as, like, this problem that is in the process of being solved, but it's always going to be there in the back of people's minds. Like, the Flag Smashers work best as this idea in the MCU. Like, at any point a character could bring up something and Sam could be like, yeah, you know, you sound a lot like this girl I used to know. Um, she had a lot of big ideals like you did and it didn't end up well for her. You know what I mean? Um, at the same time, I just mentioned him, John Walker. Th this was, a lot of people consider John Walker to be, well, it's funny, right? I, I think what makes this show interesting is that some people I've seen talk about this show are like, eh, boo, the Flag Smasher's boring, whatever. Uh, but this John Walker guy, he's pretty interesting. He's got a he's got a thing going on. He's got a lot to say. But then I've seen other people be like, "Yeah, John Walker, you suck, lame Captain America replacement." But the Flag Smashers, they're talking about stuff. So that's cool. I think the show did a good job at sort of giving 
almost every group of, of people or every demographic or just every person something to talk about. There's nothing, there's no key element of the show that is straight up, like, boring, I think. Like, there's nothing about the show, it's not like everything in the show is boring to me. I think there's something for everyone that, that comes looking for a good superhero show that, that talks about bigger concepts. Um, but, you know, we have Wyatt Russell, who's playing John Walker, um, who is the substitute Captain America, and then by the end of the show, he becomes U.S. agent. Um, first and foremost, <laughs> do not, do not, please, for the love of God, do not send this man hate mail. You know, don't tell this dude to kill himself. Like, don't bully this actor because you don't like John Walker. <laughs> like, in my opinion, there's some things about John Walker that I like, and I think he's an interesting character to talk about. But even then, I'm not going to go out of my way to, like... Like, I I know I can't convince some people that John Walker is an interesting character or that he's worth talking about. But even those people that I know I can't convince to like John Walker aren't going to go out and attack the actor. That's fucking stupid. Um... I think Wyatt Russell does a really good job in this role. Because just, just like Sam, just like Bucky, just like a lot of these characters, you, you get to see these different dimensions, these different sides to John Walker. And you see his descent, and you see him become less of an emotionally stable person. And the more the pressure of being Captain America gets to him, and, and sort of sets him on this straight path. And it's kind of fucked up at the at the ending. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... By the end, I think they kind of lose, I don't know, they lose some stuff with John. But, like, again, as a character, I think John Walker's super interesting. He's a really interesting character to to put in this show right now. And I think a lot of people going into this, people that know John Walker from the comics, kind of walked in with this expectation of, like, oh, they're going to make him a super, like, right-wing Captain America, and, you know, he's he's going to be, like... He's going to have boomer opinions, like, ah, bleh, like that kind of stuff. But no, what I love about John Walker in this show is that, so, so Steve, right? Let's talk about Steve for a quick second. Steve Rogers, I think, is definitely a character that leans more to the left, politically speaking, but not so much that he could be identified as one. Like, Steve is sort of neutral in terms of, like, policies and political stuff and he's supposed to be neutral um but like he's like neutral but like you know he leans a little bit one way and despite which way he leans because he's so neutral and he sort of appeals to all people you can't dislike him for what he's doing or what he believes right i think john early on john walker kind of had that same feeling like he was neutral he was real straight-laced. He, you know, he knew what he had to do. He had beliefs. He did his job. But you know he leaned a little bit right. And, again, I think the show does a good job at not making John entirely dislikable. Because even at the parts where he is dislikable, and he's gonna kill Sam Wilson, or he stabs a guy to death with a shield, or he's just a crazy asshole who refuses to stop being Captain America. Like, even when he takes the serum and stuff, it's like, yeah, I get it, you know? Like, he doesn't he doesn't switch on the villain switch just because. He has his reasons, and he has, like... He has a human reason for becoming an asshole, you know? And I think that, I think that makes him endearing, because it's like, yeah, 
if you were just a normal person, you were just a normal soldier, and your government was like, hey, man, you get to be Captain America, because, like, we think you're really good at being a soldier, and you got a good heart, like, we believe in you, your country believes in you, like, that's going to give you an ego, that's going to build you up, but then, as, like, stuff goes on, you realize, oh, I'm not a super soldier, uh, you know, oh, I wasn't chosen by Steve Rogers, like, some other person, like, like, I, I think over the course, it's like, the government told me I was special, but I'm not, and I keep getting my ass beat, so I'll take the super soldier serum, and, you know, it makes good people better, it makes bad people worse, it makes fragile people incredibly fragile. Like, if John Walker's ego was, like, set up high and then let, let loose falling down before, the super soldier serum, like, crushed his ego. And it made him overcompensate. And I think, you know, it made him double down on the decisions that he makes. Because otherwise he'd have to admit that he's, you know, wrong. And that he's been manipulated. And it's like, in a weird way, I think that John Walker is kind of the like a new Bucky type of character. He's a character that's going to need a, a long road of redemption to come around. But I don't think it's impossible. I don't think that John Walker is a straight-up villain. Um, especially by, like, the end of the show where, like, again, he kills a dude. Sam and Bucky take the shield from him. The U.S. government is probably more mad that he lost the shield than him killing a person in Europe. Um, but they, like, throw him under the rug. And they it's like they don't care that he's a super soldier. I don't even know if they know. They would have to know, right? Maybe they don't know. But, like, again, it, it, it shows this, <laughs> this irresponsibility on the part of the government. And it shows that, you know, what happens to a person who gives their life for their country after their country wants nothing to do with them. You know, like, you're the super soldier now, you're Captain America, you're going to represent our country, we're going to put posters on you on the wall. Oh, what's that? The, the the black guy took his shield back? Oh, well then you're fired, I'm sorry, you're out of here. Yeah, no, we don't have the shield anymore, so there's really no reason to keep you around, especially, you know, with you stabbing that guy to death. It, it's really a bad look for us, so, bye. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, when I think about that, I'm like, yeah, no fucking wonder John Walker turned out to be a crazy asshole. After after that build-up and that drop from the government, no wonder he went off the deep end. And then when he comes back in the final episode, it's kind of triumphant, you know? And, and there's, whole, there's that whole line where he's like, I'm not going to forgive you for what you did to Lamar or, or whatever, you know, whatever he says, it's basically that. Um, and Carly says, oh, you know, it was never my intention to kill people that didn't matter. And f <laughs> fucking John Walker hits her, with, hits her with the, uh, you didn't think Lamar's life mattered. And again, is that heavy-handed? Maybe. But again, it's one of those topics that's like, yeah, no, this show would talk about that. It would make a, a Black, Life Ma Black Lives Matter reference like that. And, like, that's... It's like, that's not... John Walker coming out and, like, waving the flag. But it's also him not coming out and being against the BLM cause. It's him, like, unknowingly referencing something that we all know about. But in his head, it's like, no, you killed my best friend. 
and you know all that did was give me a reason to to go over the edge and come back and, and try to kill you you know in a way john walker goes into the punisher mode you know but like the final bit where he makes his own shield and he puts his medal of honor in it and carly and a bunch of the guys are like a bunch of the bad guys are trying to like beat on him and he's behind his rinky dink scrap metal shield and he sees the medal of honor and it like i love that moment like you almost forget John Walker's an asshole in that moment because he's pinned to the wall. He, he probably can't win. He's one super soldier. He's one super soldier against like five of them. And the only thing he's looking at is this this medal of honor, this like symbol from the government that he is a super soldier, that he is Captain America, that he is this hero. And he's looking at it and it's reminding him, no, I am special because they told me I'm special, and I'm not gonna let these people stop me from thinking that. Um, and that's encouraging. And, you know, by the end of the episode, he he makes a transition. You know, he's like, oh, I could kill Carly right now, but there's this truck of people that's going to fall over. I got to get over myself, and I got to stop that truck from falling. Like, he does the right thing. It takes him a minute to, you know, process it, but he does the right thing. And then later on, you know, he, he doesn't... He's not bitter, about Sam taking the shield. And I think he acknowledges, you know, he acknowledges Sam as Captain America. He has a couple moments with Bucky where they're getting along. And, like, this is the part I meant earlier when I said the show could have used another episode. Because I think Walker needed more time to transition. Because prior to helping Sam and Bucky in New York, the last time he saw these two, he was trying to kill them with Captain America's shield. So... Yeah, I, 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 I don't totally buy that Bucky and Sam would just straight up get along with him after that. If anything, I think they tried to just send him home, or just tell him not to be here. I don't even think they, they would accept his help. But, at the same time, these are Marvel movies and TV shows, and, like, like, <laughs> how many bad guys have the good guys worked with and, like, converted? Like, like when the vision came out of his, like, cocoon or whatever, all everyone knew was, like, Ultron created this robot. And as soon as he lifted Thor's hammer, everyone's like, I guess he's on our side. All right, yeah, sure, join our team, murder robot, made from another murder robot. What could go wrong? <laughs> What's that? You you have all of Tony and Bruce's insecurities inside of you, but you have Jarvis's voice? That means you're good. You know? Um... Okay, yeah, that's John Walker. He's, he's he's U.S. agent now. Oh, damn. Okay, okay. What are we going to do with this boy? Um, yeah, i got to fly by some of these other characters. Um, Daniel, well, Daniel Brule as uh, Zemo. I love Zemo. Uh, I think I said this when I talked about Civil War. I like Zemo a lot as a villain. I think him as like a superhero Punisher allegory. Um, is incredible. His backstory is great. In this show, you forget that he has that backstory. Like, my wife and kids are dead, but, uh, let's go dancing at the club. Let's get on my private plane with my old butler. Like, Zemo is a treasure in this show. Um, and I'm glad, because I feel like, I feel like when Civil War came out, and people were talking about it, I feel like I was the only person being like, hey, Zemo's kind of cool. You know, his backstory kind of explains why he's evil and he's a bad guy now. Um, you know, he, he kills all these super soldiers because he's against the idea of super-powered people. That's kind of interesting. 
Like, he could have won with all those super soldiers, but he's like, no, nah, I'm going to kill them. Because I don't, you know, they, they can't exist. Even this show, his whole thing is like, yeah, super soldiers can't exist. So, instead of shooting Carly, I'm going to stomp on all these super soldier serums and get rid of them. And, like, instead of bringing in the guy that creates the new super soldier serum, I'm just going to shoot him in the head so he can't make it anymore. Ha <laughs> Like, he is, he is committed to his ideals, and that's still, like, really endearing. He gets one action scene where he wears the purple mask, and that's pretty great, too. I'm sure it was good for the stunt double. I love that the purple mask isn't even explained. It's just in one of his cars. And it's not even like, uh, my granddad wore this, or this mask represents uh, Sokovian culture. Like, no, there's just a purple mask in one of the cars. I'm going to wear it for a scene. That's it. <laughs> um, a lot of people were disappointed he didn't have anything to do with the Flag Smashers. Um, a lot of people were disappointed that he kind of left the show, I think in the penultimate episode, like he wasn't involved in the ending that much. He did get one final thing at the end, uh, regarding the Flag Smashers and a car bomb, but I like that he wasn't too involved. I like that they brought him in to help, and then he was kind of just a liability. He was a really good sort of third member of the Sam and Bucky crew, you know what I mean? He had the money, he had the places, he knew, he had connections, um, he was great. I love Zemo in this. And again, that's all... That's me talking about Zemo without mentioning all the stuff in Mandrapore where he's dancing and he's he's on the plane with Bucky and he's like, Bucky, you should listen to this album. It really captures the African-American lifestyle, you know? Like, he's such a cultured and interesting person and it's a side of him that we haven't seen before. And I'm really glad we got to see it. I think he's a... Again, Zemo's a great character. Need more of him. He's great. Um, let's see, Emily Van Camp as Sharon Carter. Um, so this is another character people have sort of gone back and forth about. Uh, Sharon Carter is Agatha. <laughs> She's Agatha Harkness in this show. Um, when she first shows up, it's kind of up in the air, exactly, you know, what her moral status is. She's living in literal crime city. Um, she hates the American government because, uh, like, they left her behind, I guess. Like, like all the baggage from Civil War went away for characters like Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson, right, after, like, Infinity War and uh, Endgame. Not for Sharon. No, Sharon wasn't in the big alien fight, so she doesn't get a pass. She gets to stay a criminal and continue being a Civil War, like, war criminal or whatever. Um, so I think she has a good reason for actually being a villain. <laughs> Especially because Steve is gone and, like... Again, the whole Captain America Civil War thing, like, I think she has every reason to be. I don't think, I don't think, because I've seen people talk about this, I don't think she's connected to Hydra. I think that is kind of withstanding. She doesn't like Hydra, she's against it, I don't think it's like that. I think, though, with with Steve being gone, Sharon's sort of belief in what Steve believed is kind of gone with him. Like, without Steve, and without being allowed... I guess, the same, like, rights and, and passage as, like, Sam. Like, Sharon has been sort of corrupted as a character. And, again, a, 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 this, Sharon is another character who has become sort of a bad guy where I can sympathize, and I get it. And I, I still like her as a character. And I think she's going to make an interesting sort of behind-the-scenes villain type of character. Because um, now she's the power broker. And that's, you know, whoa, what, what an incredible twist. <laughs> Um, but yeah, a lot, it's, uh, it's so annoying. I, I gotta say, one of the 
annoying parts about keeping up with the show is all the people who are like, well, look who called it. She's the power broker, just like I predicted. And it's like, dude, you weren't the first or only. Like, most people guessed Sharon Carter was the power broker just because of the position she was already in and because of the the background dealings that she was doing. Like, and, and you know, it paid off. <laughs> uh, you know, at the very end of the show, she's given that government pardon, but now she has access to all this government stuff. Like, she's going to make an interesting villain in future stuff. Um, but I don't think she's entirely bad. Um, and maybe it's just because I know she used to be, like, Steve's friend and everything. I don't want to completely hate Sharon Carter. So, that is her. She's a good job, though. She's a great actress, or actress. Um, and she, like, <laughs> she gets the kill on, like, two of the bad guys in this show, which is incredible. And then, much like John Walker, I think, I think she got too big of a pass from Sam and, and, and Bucky. I guess neither of them just heard about all the Power Broker stuff, but, okay. She just kind of walked away. Like, if anything, that's, like, that's, like, a good salty walk-off. Like, oh, she got away with it. Oh, damn it. Like, oh, they, they almost caught her, but they didn't. Oh, man, this is, it's suspenseful, and I like that. Um, so that's kind of the bigger characters. We have a couple minor characters I want to run through really quick. Um, George's, George's, George St. George St. Pierre as Batroc the Leaper. Uh, he is the French assassin guy at the beginning of the show and at the end. Um, he's good. I, I was kind of like, at one point, I was like, seriously? Like, they're bringing him back? Um, and the whole thing where he's fighting Sam in the helicopter, like, at the beginning of the movie, or at the beginning of the show, um, I was like, what does he hope to accomplish? He's in a helicopter, and, like... Of all the superheroes that he thinks he could escape, why would it be the Falcon, the guy who's really good at flying? Um, but he's good. You know, he. It, it seemed like at the end of the show, when when Sam was fighting Batroc, like Sam couldn't fight him. Like Batroc was a much better fighter than Sam. Um, he doesn't even like finish the fight, which I appreciate. Sam is just like, "You're just distracting me. I'm out of here. Bye." And he flies away. <laughs> um, but he's dead, which I'm fine with. It's not, that I, it's not that I dislike Batroc the Leaper, but it's like, of all the characters that you could kill off, I don't mind that it's him. Um, Danny Ramirez as... Oof. Jo Joaquin Torres. Joaquin Torres. Um, he's the uh, the military guy that Sam is working with at the beginning of the show. He kind of talks to him over the course of it. Um, towards the end of the show, Sam's... So 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 John Walker ripped off uh, Sam's wings, and instead of repairing them, Sam leaves them with Torres. Now, anyone with Google probably found this out really quick. Uh, Joaquin Torres in the comic books um, becomes the second Falcon after after Sam becomes Captain America. Uh, Joaquin becomes Falcon. He kind of gets like a cool green costume. He does become a literal Falcon man, but I don't think they're gonna do that. Fortunately. <laughs> I hope to God they don't do that. Um, but yeah, he'll probably repaint those wings, be the new Falcon. That'll be cool. Um, he'll, if there is a Cap 4, he'll probably be in that with uh, with Sam. Uh, Florence Kasumba as Ao, who's a member of the Dora Milaje. Um, she's the one that helped Bucky get past the Winter Soldier programming. She's the one that shows up, I think in episode like 4 or 5, to like tell him, like, hey, listen, we heard you broke Zemo out. Uh, fucking why? <laughs> um, but they're great. Ao and the rest of the Dora Milaje are great in this. They get a, 
like, it, it, I don't know why I was surprised, but I guess I just forgot Bucky had ties to Wakanda. But, like, when they just show up and kick the asses of John Walker, Bucky, and Sam, it's awesome. It's great. And, and John's, like, John Walker's, like, like, uh, what is it? Like, ignorant behavior towards them. Like, like, not, like, I think he was being respectful, but he was being, like, not respectable, at least in customaries, because it's like, these, the Dora Milaje are not, like, citizens. Not of America, not of any, not even of Wakanda. They are soldiers. They are a force. You do not put your hand on them and be like, well, we'll just talk about this. Like, and then they kick his ass, and then he's like, they're not even super soldiers. Like, the Dora Milaje are partly responsible for John Walker killing that guy, and you can't convince me otherwise. Um, but they're great. Um, let's see, Clay Bennett, I think it's Clay, it's C-L-E, uh, Clee, Clay, uh, Clay Bennett as Lamar Hopkin, Hopskin, Hop, Hopskins, Lamar Hopskins, <laughs> um, he is Battlestar, and I love that when he's sitting across from, from Bucky and Sam, and he's like, yeah, I'm Lamar, I'm Battlestar, and Bucky just gets out of the Jeep and walks away, like, okay, <laughs> like, as long as we're doing names and your name is just Battlestar, I'm, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> um, but Lamar is great. Lamar is, he's a, he's a really good, like, positive counterbalance to John Walker. Um, he's loyal to John Walker. They're, like, best buds. Like, he, he rolls into the, like, I'm your, your right hand. I'm, I'm your guy, you know? He rolls into that position so well. And, like, there's no animosity. And it was interesting is, I, like, Lamar is is, is African American, and I, I don't think they ever bring up him in relation to Sam and in relation to Isaiah Bradley, and it's I don't know. I feel like they could have added something there too. Like if they had a little bit more time, it would have been interesting to see. Like if they had that an extra episode or whatever, it would have been something to have Sam confront John Walker and be like, "How do you think it felt to see you become Captain America and your sidekick is a black man?" Like, do you think it was, like, in homage to me and Steve? Because it wasn't. And, like, because of your actions, he had to die. Like, a, a black man's life is on your hands, and all you can do is wave him as a martyr and say, this is why I'm being an asshole, you know? I think they could have done more with that in, in regards to Lamar. I think he was a great character. Um, I talked about him a little bit before. Um, Carl Lumby is Isaiah Bradley. Again, if we got another... Because I know Carl Lumby isn't actually that old <laughs> hold on i wanna oh he's gotta have a page hold on here we go carl lumby now oh, he's 69 okay but I, I think they put like effects on him to make him not look or effects that made him look older i don't know i, I really wanted some sort of flashback to carl lumby as like the first black captain america um in like the 1950s and stuff but uh they didn't end up doing that but whatever um he's a great character though uh, his, again, his very real, very grounded kind of stance on how the American government treated black soldiers, um, it drew a lot of parallels to what actually happened in American history, um, he gets his wing in the museum at the end, but, uh, again, the, the best thing about that character is that he starts off so rigid, and so, he's so broken as a person, and through Sam... 
Isaiah is sort of re-inspired, and he's given a new hope, and that's that's really nice to see this like old broken man who has nothing but pain in his life be acknowledged and be proved wrong that a black Captain America could exist. It was just a matter of time. Um, I think that's nice. And then this character is kind of weird. This is the last character I'll talk about real quick. Um, Julia Louis oh, Julia Louis Dreyfus from Seinfeld, <laughs> as Contessa Valentine Allegra de Fontaine, or Val. She's weird. She shows up, right? And you don't know what group she represents. I don't think she's Hydra. I don't think she's S.H.I.E.L.D. I think she's something else. I know in the comics her character was a double, triple agent who did work for S.H.I.E.L.D., she worked for Hydra, she was like a female Nick Fury type of character who I think had a relationship with Nick Fury in the comics. Um, but she operates in the moral gray area, but has a more like funnier and bombastic personality, especially in this show. There's a lot of bits where like she's uncomfortably funny. Like like after the whole Zemo blowing up the, the car bomb thing, uh, she's like, man, I could have done that better if I planned it. Maybe I did. No, I didn't. That wasn't me. Or was it, or was it me? Like, what the fuck are you talking about, Val? <laughs> um, I think in the context of other stuff, she'll be a lot more enjoyable. To me, it was just like, they, she, they introduced her really late in the game, and they gave her this really, like, out, like, bombastic personality. And, like, by that point in the show, I was like, look, I'm sure this character is fun, but, like, it, it's the penalty, it's, we're like, we have, like, one episode left. And I'm way more engaged with these other characters. I don't care about about Seinfeld woman, <laughs> you know. Um, it it really felt like setup, and you know, I'm not saying it's disappointed. I'm just saying I wish there was less of her. You know, maybe just keep her to the very final episode. I don't know. Um, yeah, she's fine. Uh, she has plans for John Walker. Maybe it's the Thunderbolts. We'll see. Um, anything else to say about her? Probably not. Probably not. Okay, a couple of other topics that uh, we didn't really get to while talking about characters. Um, we talked about the removed virus stuff. Um, is the super soldier serum really gone? I kind of hope it is. I'm, I, feel, I hope we're kind of done with it. Like, the super soldier serum has made a very long way through history. Some people forget that it, it's responsible for the MCU version of the Hulk. Um, in the comics, it was somewhat responsible for the Green Goblin. It was also somewhat responsible for Wolverine and the entire Weapon X program. Uh, it's also kind of responsible for Deadpool in that result. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like we're kind of done with the Soldier Serum being a physical thing. Um, but I don't know. Could be wrong. There's still... like. Assuming all the super soldier uh, flag smashers are dead, that would just leave us with uh, Isaiah Bradley, who's not going to do anything. Possibly his grandson, Eli Bradley, who does become a character in the comics later, like a, like a superhero. Um, I guess Bucky has some version of it, and then we have John Walker. So not a lot of people have uh, the super soldier serum. Um, and before you ask, no, Black Widow doesn't have it. Um, oh, that's the thing I want to mention real quick. Valentina Fontaine will be in the Black Widow movie. I think that was supposed to be her first appearance, so maybe it'll be more exciting when we see her in that. Um, but yeah, I hope we're done with the Super Soldier Serum. 
interesting how much they used it, and I'm really happy they, that Falcon didn't take it, or Sam didn't take it. Uh, let's see, the uh, Mandrapur. They go to Mandrapur in one of the episodes. Where, like, they break out Zemo, they go to Mandrapur. Uh, Sam wears heels and a funny suit. Mandrapur is mainly from X-Men comics, so kind of cool. I, that's, like, that's the way to do it, and I think they kind of did a little bit of X-Men stuff in, like, the WandaVision show, but, like, this is the way to do it. Just slowly pepper in the X-Men stuff. The, don't make it obvious. It's not like mutants are running around teleporting and stuff. Like, no. A setting that comic book fans would know from X-Men comics. We're just gonna sneak that in here. That's nice. Um... I think I basically already talked about how the government is bad in this show. And I guess in real life, but a lot in this show. <laughs> um, uh, I especially talk about it in, like, last week when I did a Raffi's Roundup, I really talked about how how the government handles the idea of a Captain America and how shitty they are at it. Um, but yeah, basically my note was, government bad? Government bad, you know? Um, that's from the stuff pile. Now we get to talk about the future. Ooh... The future, what could it hold? Um, so, the whole Thunderbolts thing. If you, don't, if you don't know what this is, I'll explain it to you. In Marvel Comics, the Thunderbolts was a superhero team that first existed as a bunch of supervillains disguising themselves as heroes in order to gain public trust and then turn around and become villains again. But, in much later versions, the, the, in much later versions, the Thunderbolts were adapted into kind of a Marvel version of the Suicide Squad, uh, without bombs in their heads. Basically, the government, like the she like S.H.I.E.L.D., the government, Norman Osborn, a couple different people, were like, we're going to take these villains and put them on like a government superhero team, and this will be their payment back to society. Instead of community service, they're going to be a superhero team, right? And there's been many different versions of the Thunderbolts. One of them has included, I think, Val, uh, Valerie Fontaine, I know for a fact that General Thunderbolt Ross from the Hulk movies, um, and from like Civil War and stuff, he led a version of the Thunderbolts where he was he had become a Red Hulk. Um, maybe that's possible. Maybe I don't know if that actor would be up to it, but could get that. It could just be General Ross doing Thunderbolt stuff, just like leading a government team like this. Um, and I bring it up because Zemo was a founding member of the Thunderbolts, and we know that he's in the Raft prison. I don't think... I know Bucky's been on there, but I don't think that's going to happen here. Uh, I don't think U.S. Agent has been... U.S. Agent has been on the Thunderbolts. He's been on the Dark Avengers, um, which is kind of its own spinoff from the Thunderbolts. Um, so it's possible Zemo and U.S. Agent could be on a new Thunderbolts team. I hope if they do use the Thunderbolts in like a show or whatever... They don't have their own show. I hope they're kind of like a background element to someone else's show. Like, like in like the She-Hulk show or something, when she starts being She-Hulk, the government puts together the Thunderbolts to go capture her or something. You know what I mean? That would be kind of cool. I'd rather that than them get their own show right off the bat. Um, I mentioned before, Bucky might get his own show. There's rumors about it. Um, in the comics, one of the identities that like, not Captain America, but a Captain America a character took uh, was the name Nomad. Um, I think that's the name they give to Cap when he's on the run after Civil War. But, um, I don't know, I'd be down for a, a Bucky show where he's just you know, traveling the country. 
But um, I'm also okay with Bucky kind of taking a break, you know? He's been through a lot recently. Um, let's see, who did I mention? Who did I mention? Uh, Eli Bradley in the show, who's played by Elijah Richardson. Um, in the comics, he becomes Patriot. Now, with WandaVision, I talked a lot about how they could be leading up to Young Avengers. And Eli Bradley, who has the powers of a Captain America character because of genetics, um, he becomes this character called the Patriot. And it would be great to see him in, in a show, because he, he's in the show a little bit. He doesn't get a lot to do, because he's kind of a background character. But he seems like a fun guy, and I think, you know, I think it's, I think it's there. Maybe they won't, you know, expend on it, maybe they won't use Patriot, but um, at least we know Eli Bradley's in the universe, which is cool. Um, we talked about Torres being the new Falcon, uh, we talked about Sharon being the next big villain, and then the Captain America 4 thing, if that's true, if that is happening, um, I'd be down for it. Like, if they're gonna do, like, if they're gonna give Thor a fourth movie, I think they should give uh, Cap one. I don't think they'll give Iron Man one, because it's just, like, his story is kind of set and done. Um, I know we're getting Armor Wars, which is going to be Rhodey's show. We're going to get an Iron Heart show. Um, I don't know. E even if it was a different person, I don't know how I'd be with a, with an Iron Man four. Plus, I just I want Tony to kind of just stay dead for a while. Um, even then, even if Tony's dead, even if it's a different person, I don't know if I want an Iron Man four. If anything, I want Guardians of the Galaxy four. <laughs> you know, just to make it up to James Gunn for all the bullshit uh, people put him through. Um, I don't know what they do, because Flag Smashers, that's kind of over. Um, Zemo and John Walker don't seem to be bad guys. Sharon Carter's going to be like a background threat. Um, but there's plenty of stories to go with, and it would just be nice to give, like, give Anthony Mackie a little bit more. Give him a movie. See how he does. You know, give Torres the chance to be a new Falcon. That'd be nice. That'd be fun. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's everything. Gee whiz. So, at the end of the day, I think The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is a terrific show. Do I like it more than WandaVision? I don't know. I don't know. With WandaVision, it was much more of a character study, a very personal story. And Falcon and Winter Soldier is also a personal story, but it, it also represents a lot about the country, and, and like it has a lot more to say, and I think I like that. I can't say if I like one more than the other, but what I like about Falcon and Winter Soldier that's different from WandaVision is that I feel like Falcon and Winter Soldier has a bit more to say about all these different topics. Um, I think it's a great show. I'm happy that it's only six episodes. I think that was a huge plus to it. But again, could have used a little bit of time, a little bit of extra time devoted to some some things that, you know, I don't know. I feel like they could have used some work in some areas. Um, I don't mind that like, there's no virus thing. We talked about that before. Sets up a lot of cool stuff, but, you know, also leaves you wondering. Like, it sets up stuff, but you're like, what is it set up? You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is a good show. In terms of a grade, I just gave it a solid A. Um, if there was a bit, if there was more stuff I didn't really like about it, um, like if it really kind of stepped on its own foot in some areas, um, I would probably give it an A-. Like, this is purely, like, a production, a story, a character thing. Like, it's not just A automatically because it's a Marvel thing. But, like, like I don't think I gave Captain Marvel the movie an A. You know what I mean? A little bit, like, it, obviously there's a whole lot I like about this, which already kind of rose it up the ranks. 
but there's not enough that I dislike to go lower than an A or an A minus. At the same time, though, there were some gaps I felt could have been filled in, and so I didn't give it an A plus. Just a solid A, a solid show, and honestly, like I think Captain America has the best trilogy in terms of movies for superheroes. This makes a terrific successor to that trilogy. Um, I think it's a great show. Um, I, I don't know if I'll watch it again in sequence, like like binge it or whatever. But if I do, I'll probably try to do it with someone who hasn't seen the show before. Um, it's really great. But yeah, <laughs> the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, A. Solid grade, uh, solid grade A. So that's the show, guys. Thank you for sticking along for so long. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did. Uh, let me know on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube what you thought. Um, next up, not much. <laughs> you know, we kind of wait. We got to wait a while for Black Widow. Uh, after that, we got Loki. So there's gonna be a gap in time. Maybe I'll catch up on a couple animated shows. Um, maybe watch some movies I missed out on, but, uh, I guess we'll see, you know, it's, it's gonna be, you know, interesting that there's no Friday show to look forward to anymore. I'm not gonna watch that new Star Wars thing, I don't really care. Um, but yeah, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, go check it out, it's a great show, and, uh, I'll catch you guys next time, goodbye.